Who said amen? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're going to read a few verses, but before we get to uh, the first chapter of Isaiah, I want to make some comments. We're uh, talking about the, tonight the introduction to Isaiah, and I'm entitling the series Mercy, Judgment, and the Coming of the Messiah. Um, we could have been almost did refer to it as the sign of Emmanuel. How many knows what uh, the Hebrew Emmanuel means? Let me see your hand if you well, it does. Never mind. Uh, does, does anybody think they know what the word Emmanuel means? It means what? God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And so <clears throat> this scripture, this revelation was uh, first uh, developed by the prophet Isaiah. So we're going to begin this look at the impact of, uh, of Isaiah. Now, before we do, um, we're going to, uh, so we're going to stay right here for a moment. Um, I want to uh, mention the major prophets. We've already uh, dealt with the minor prophets last year. So there are 12 minor prophets, and we've, we've talked about their impact and, their, uh, and gone through each of those books. I've wanted to, for years, to do a study of Isaiah and teach Isaiah. Now, I, I've studied Hebrew. I teach Hebrew, of course, so that's not the problem. But I've never uh, spent the time I've needed. Since I've had like eight years of Greek, I tend to be uh, uh, more interested or more likely to pick up Greek studies like in the New Testament. And so I've taught, taught every uh, book from the Greek in the New Testament. But I've never spent the time in the 39 books of the Old Testament to, uh, to, to really work up the kind of teaching material that I'd like to do now. And I love the history of the Old Testament and the prophets fall right in the middle of that historical time frame that uh, after the fall of Israel and Judah. And so it's there are so many rich things about the ministry of Isaiah and the the major prophets that I think we can glean from. Can you say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Now, does everyone know who the four major prophets are? There are two that fall right at the time of the fall of Israel when uh, uh, Syria and Babylon destroyed both Israel and Judah. And that was, of course, Isaiah. And who's the other prophet there? His name was Jeremiah. Everyone say Jeremiah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so we have Isaiah and Jeremiah. But after, after that period of time, uh, there was a period of restoration they were taken captive, and the, who were the two major prophets that were taken captive? And one was thrown in the lion's den. What was his name? Daniel. And what was the other one's name? Ezekiel. So these are the four prophets that we're going to get to. Now, we're not going to study them all the next little bit. Over the next year or so, we're going to come back to them. But this next couple of weeks, we're going to spend some time in the study of Isaiah. Tonight, we're looking at the introduction to Isaiah. Now, we're going to get a timeline here in a minute, but let's go to the next one. I don't want anybody passing out on me here, but here is the Hebrew. Um, let's, let's get the uh, all-important uh, uh, laser here. So here is the Hebrew uh, name of Isaiah. All right, and sometimes the English Bible, in fact, the New Testament always uses an E here, Isaiah's. But the Hebrew is here in we put it in here's the Hebrew, but we're uh, we're transliterating it here, 
And, and this is an interesting thing. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Is, it, is everybody okay? Are you alive? Okay, so, so here we are with this little, uh, little deal here. Now, I took this. Uh, this is called Hear It in Hebrew. So this is like an easy, uh, so if, like if I'm teaching Hebrew to someone, I'll say, well, go online and get to Hear It in Hebrew, and, and then you can just play it. And then a Hebrew person actually, a Jewish Hebrew speaking person actually speaks the word for you. And this is a series of them that have, are called for names. And uh, so if you were just looking at this uh, and you knew Hebrew. Now, if you know Hebrew, don't, don't run around. Don't shout or anything. We don't want to get a lot of people excited. All right. So if you know Hebrew, you would know that this is unusual that you have this uh, letter here being put out in English looking like that. In fact, I think it's unusual that they even do that at all, but this is, this is the nature of language. So you have yeah, but then what is that right there? So what I've done is, what, what have I put in that little box? Okay, it looks like a T, but what is it actually? It's an I with a line over it, which in, in phonetics tells you that that's a, that's a long I. And how do you say a long I? Everybody say it. I. That's a long I. So these letters here are simply I. So I'm not quite sure why the Hebrew. So in other words, we're, we're having a little. Everybody say hallelujah. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right. So it's just uh, Yeshai Yahu. Yeshai Yahu is the name Isaiah in Hebrew. And yet they've tried to help us by spelling it in English letters. But because of that, it makes it a little harder. So Yeshayahu means, and of course, I put it down here at the bottom. So you can see if you spell it all out, it just means that God is salvation. Is anybody thankful that God has brought salvation to your life and to your home and given, changed your life? Anybody thankful that he made a difference in your life? Hallelujah. And he's going to make a difference in people's lives. He's a... He's a, he's a great and mighty God. All right, so there is our little look at the name Isaiah. Now, I want to look at the major themes of Isaiah. So let's go to the next slide, and uh, we're going to, um, uh, whoa, what? <laughs> okay, I'm not sure what that was. In the name of Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. Brother French, I may get a Mac next time. I'm, I'm just kidding. Okay, so here we're looking at three books. Now, <clears throat> these three books, uh, and I have to turn this way because we don't have this. All right, so here's the first book by uh, Andrew Abernathy. Uh, and uh, this book is entitled The Book of Isaiah and What? God's Kingdom. Now, what actually they're doing by naming the book God's Kingdom is they're naming this book after one of the major themes of the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to re reword it as the rule of God and the justice of God. How many knows that if Adolf Hitler goes to heaven, we have an injustice in this world? See, no Adolf Hitler is going to heaven because heaven is reserved for those that God is forgiven and saved and brought into his kingdom and so it's all about the government of God and and what uh in the nation of Israel because here they were in a struggling time and let me let me let me just say right out here at the at the front that uh the world is in a is getting ready for a judgment day 
We're very, very close to the coming of the Lord. This is not a time to play games. It's not a time to uh, throw the Bible away. It's a time to get your heart in the word of God and your knees in an altar and seek the Lord because the Lord is coming soon. Does anybody believe that here tonight? The Lord is coming and he is going to rectify the situation. Everything's going to be all right. Now, one of the things that I want to look at tonight is Israel. Israel, how many knows that Israel is under attack right now? And, of course, what's happened is we have religious wars going on in the world right now. And it's the Jewish people especially, uh, but uh, they're being attacked from all quarters, especially what I call the liberal politicians are fighting Israel, and, and Muslim faith is anti-Israel. And so there's a tremendous danger. Israel is in trouble every day of the week. And then, of course, uh, the, the world's getting more and more in trouble because they're, they're walking in unrighteousness. And things are not getting better. Anybody notice that Hollywood's not getting better? They're not doing better. They're getting worse. And sin is rampant. But God has a people. And judgment day is coming. He is, there's going to be justice. Hallelujah. And we're going to see the face of the Lord. Anybody getting ready to see the Lord? That's, our, that's the call of God on our lives. So God rules. And he is a just God. Now, let's look at the second one through the book by Kathleen Nielsen, and this one is called Isaiah, the Lord, what? Can you see that little, can you see it? Anybody, can they see it? Can you see it way back there? Can you see that? No? The Lord, what? Can you see it on the front row? If you can't see it, then ain't nobody going to see it. All right? Song, no. Sister French, can you not see it? Do you have your glasses on? You have your contacts in? Okay. And you think it says song. But it says saves, doesn't it? Yes, it says saves. The Lord saves. And that is another major theme. In other words, the first 40 or 39 chapters of Isaiah are about the judgment of God. And the last chapters are about the redemption of the Lord. Praise God. Anybody glad that he redeems us and he changes everything in our, in our lives? And so it is. Now, so God's grace and God's redemption are a major theme. Now, there's also a third theme that are, is spread throughout, and we'll get that from F.B. Meyer in his book, which is, is, which is entitled what? Christ in Isaiah. So the, the coming Messiah and what he is all about is a major theme of the book of Isaiah. So we have redemption, we have judgment, and redemption. And that's the order that Isaiah approaches it. And how many chapters are there in the book of Isaiah? Does anybody remember? How many? Just like there are books in the Bible. How many? 66 chapters. That's a very long, I mean, that's why it's called a major, a major prophet. Now, let's look at a couple. Grab your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 7. And uh, let's, let's read two verses. Verse 13 and 14. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary God also? All right. So there's the setting 
for the end of a major beginning of the book of Isaiah. He's giving the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. And he said, you hear now, O house of David, that, talking to the kings, of course, is it a small thing for you to weary men? In other words, is it, do, are men boring you? That's basically what's meant here. Are, are, is your, what you're doing to men boring you, and now you're going to weary God as well because you, you think you're, you're somebody? Therefore, the Bible says, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. Of course, Matthew 1 tells us, and if you know Hebrew, of course, that every, every Hebrew person knew immediately what Emmanuel meant. And most, most Christians do now because it's familiar. Now, I want us to go over into chapter 9 and want us to read verse uh, 2, 9-2. All right? So here we are. Everybody got your Bibles? Everyone grab your Bibles. Come on. Here we go. The people that walk in darkness have seen what? A great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. For unto us... A child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Does that sound oneness to anybody in this place? Does that sound like Jesus is going to be the Mighty God? He's the Counselor. He's wonderful. He's the Everlasting Father. Now, folks, I want to tell you, every time I talk to my Trinitarian friends, whether it's in a university or whether it's in a church or whether it's right out on the street here, I always want, if they're trying to tell me, they'll usually say, Jesus can't be his own Father. And so I will say, well, then why do you think that the Bible said that the Messiah was going to be called the Everlasting Father? And certainly, why would we call the mighty God if there's a bunch of gods? Well, how could he be the mighty God? He might be part of the mighty God. He might be a third of the mighty God. But in fact, we know that Jesus is God. Anybody believe that here today? Can we just love him and praise him a little bit? Father, I thank you because you are the answer. And Lord, you have spoken this truth for generations. And now we come to the end of the world as we know it. The coming of the Lord is upon us. And so it is the church is alive and well. And we are walking in righteousness, serving a mighty God. Hallelujah. He's a mighty God. So the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. So he's not, uh, he's not part of the mighty God. He's not in the mighty God. Some people think of the Godhead as something that you're in or you're a member of. He's not in the mighty God. He is the mighty God. Praise God. And he's the Prince of Peace. Another way to look at this, as some of you are trying to think your wheels are spinning on the oneness here, is that he's, he's not only the father, he's not only the son, but he's also the prince of peace. The, the spirit of peace is the Holy Ghost. He's father, son, and Holy Ghost. He's all these three, but he's one God, one person. Hallelujah. So we thank God, and we know that this is the message that, it was, that was given to Isaiah. Now, let's, uh, let's go to uh, the life of Isaiah. Now, everybody say, praise the Lord. Now, I know sometimes we can't be bothered. We're, we're far more superheroes and Thor and, and uh, whoever these guys are that are supposed to be the pillars of the world. And young people are being told that they're superheroes. I got, I got, news, I got news for you. 
All right. They do not exist. They are just the figments. Now, I'm not saying that somebody uh, thinking there's a mouse somewhere and, and, and his name is Mickey, that that's bad. I'm not suggesting that that having a little uh, a, a, a fantasy about something fun is wrong. But I'm telling you right now, you need to be building your life on, on the precepts of the word of God. Live your life because there really is a great mighty savior. And people, you know, the real heroes of this world are not the rich and famous. How many are noticing that the rich and famous don't seem to be all that happy? <laughs> they don't seem to be all that happy. Now, I'm not rejoicing in it. I wish folks could find happiness, but I'm going to tell you, money's not going to make you happy. Someone said, well, they were rich, and then they, someone's talking about this billionaire that was rich, and he had uh, his own island, and he was doing this and doing that, and he was full of perversion. I said, well, that doesn't sound like somebody that's happy to me. That sounds like somebody who's literally has just, it's like the folks that said, I'm happy. That's why I'm drunk every night. Well, wait a minute. If you're happy, why do you need to be drunk every night? I was raised in a home with plenty of drunks. And let me tell you, they weren't happy. Some of them, they could handle a little liquor, but when the minute they got halfway to drunk, then they started beating up on somebody. Because they, they personality completely changed. You know, that's why people do the drinking. That's why they do the smoking. Someone said, I wish I could quit. I can't quit. Folks, I want to tell you, we've got a world full of trouble. But we've got an answer. Hallelujah. And that is to follow after the God that made us and love him. Serve him. And the spirit of the Lord is real. The spirit of the Lord is able to help us. I may not be perfect, but I'm a child of God. I'm not what I used to be. I've been turned into something that is far different than what I would have been. Hallelujah. Praise God. My, my, my. So I'm saying all that to say that Isaiah was a hero. Isaiah was, uh, when I think of Isaiah and his, his life. So let's look at, uh, what is it, about five things here. First, the first thing is that he witnessed the destruction of, 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 of Israel. That is northern, the northern kingdom. Because you know in the history of Israel that uh, they, they strayed from God. And then the kingdom, there the were 12 tribes. And they, they split and 10 of the tribes went north and they moved their temple from Jerusalem and they started worshiping calves and all kinds of stuff. And the 10 northern tribes went way up north into Samaria and, and uh, had a little temple up there. It was a bunch of malarkey. And, and then they thought, well, this is, this is our new religion. And the Lord said, okay, you've turned your back on me. Listen, folks, you turn your back on the Lord, you're in trouble. This business of, oh, I can do anything I want. I'm going to heaven. It, it's not, folks, it's not going to happen. I'm trying to tell you something. If you want to make it to heaven, you've got to know the God of heaven. You've got to know him. Now, you may have all kinds of trouble, and he loves you. I'm going to tell you, he loves you no matter who you are or what you've done. But don't tell me you're walking through the gates of pearl and you just living like a devil hey listen how many anybody here know the devil's not going to the devil's not going to heaven if you're living like him then you're a devil you're not a christian if you're living like a devil that's what you are if you're living like christ then you you're a christian and i mean it doesn't you don't have to have uh you know doesn't take a whole <laughs> doesn't take a whole lot to figure that out 
So the northern kingdom was uh, uh, obliterated in 722. And so, the, but the two tribes down there that we now call Judah, that area became known as Judah. That was uh, Judah and Benjamin. Those two tribes went on, but they still struggled. They knew they should be serving God and turning back to God. And I want to I want to say something to you right now. I want to talk to you. When you walk away from things that you know are right and you think you're going to come back, it's much harder than you ever anticipated. Walking away, laying down, throwing things aside because there's things that happen to your spirit and to your heart and your mind and all kinds of things that go on. I'm not saying that you can never get back to God because I believe anybody can get back to God. Anybody believe people can get back to God? He loves the backslider. He'll draw them back. The problem is not God. God is not the problem. The problem is what goes on in here. It'd be just like, no, 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 don't, 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 ooh, ooh, ah, ee, ah, okay. You're in a relationship and then you strike the person that you're supposed to love. The last guy that I talked to, I said, don't you ever, don't tell me you did that. I don't, don't I want to hear it. Well, he, he did. He hit, he hit me right here. Don't you ever do it and walk in here and tell me. Because if you think I don't have the courage to pick up the phone and deal with your spirit, I will deal with your spirit. You think I'm going to say, to oh, I'm a little preacher, so go ahead and beat your wife after death. I got news for you. I'm not standing by and watching it. What happens when you do something like that is you destroy the relationship. Now, some, one guy said, well, I, I was, you know, my, my dad was mean and, and, and I just had this mean streak. I said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's wrong with you. You got a mean streak and you need to stop it. You need to, if you have to, you know, there's a thing called rope. You just tie your hands. That's what you got to do. But what you do when, when you take a relationship, when you take your relationship with God and you turn it into a lie, something starts happening. Now, let me tell you about a, let's take the little example we just used, the little lady that was hit. Do you think it was easy for her to go back into that relationship and feel like she was loved and cared for, even though the guy cried like a baby? Do you think that, do you think that made it all the difference because he cried like a baby? No. No, I said, you, you can sit here and cry all day long. That's not going to solve anything. What you've done is you have broken the relationship. Doesn't work that way. And so it is with God. Your relationship with God is important. You need to, you need to keep it alive. You need to tell the Lord, I love you. I'm not going to run off, Lord. I'm going to serve you and trust you. I may fail a thousand times, but I'm going to, I'm going to find my way to the altar. And I'm going to serve God. Hallelujah. So it was. that. So Israel was in a completely broken relationship. They went up and served uh, idols and 
And then the Lord said, okay, I'm not, I'm not protecting you. See, we're living in the limp-wristed Jesus generation where he stands at the door and, oh, whatever you want to do, it's fine. That's not true. That's not, it doesn't work like that. This, I'm sorry to tell you that the Lord wants you to love him. And he loves you. Hallelujah. Anybody glad that he loved you when you were un, unlovable? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But don't ever throw it away. Don't say, hey, the Lord, it doesn't matter. That's just a bunch of Pentecostals telling you that. No, that's not true. It, whatever the Bible, anybody know the Bible is true? What the Bible says is true. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost is real. It's more than something to make fun of. It's more than just a bunch of emotion. It is real. Hallelujah. And it's, uh, it's moving in these last days. Now, here's what's about to happen. I want to tell you what's about to happen. The rapture is getting ready to take place. I don't know if it's going to be this year, next year. I don't know when. I just know it's very close that we are seeing the signs all around us. That the Lord is coming. Hallelujah. And it's time for us to get our families ready and to get our house in order and to tell the Lord Jesus, I love you more than I have ever loved you. I love you, Jesus. I'm serving you, Lord. I want to give my best to you, Jesus. Okay, now here we go. So Isaiah witnessed the destruction of Israel. That was what the northern kingdom was called, Israel. At one time, the whole, all of them were called Israel. When they split up, the northern area was called Judah. And so sometimes we just say the north and the south. And so the northern uh, kingdom of God's people. Now think of it. Think of having been a part of, of Israel all these years. And ten of the tribes are annihilated by the Assyrians. The Assyrians, by the way, were a vicious and angry nation. They destroyed nations and ground them into powder. They literally took Israel and obliterated them off of the earth. And anybody ever heard of the Mormon, Mormon church? Well, the Mormon religion is based on the idea that those northern tribes were lost. What they call the lost. That's not a biblical. There's no biblical teaching that they're lost. But the Mormons from Joseph Smith got the idea. Well, this was popular for, for many years. Way back in, I'm talking about way back in the beginning of the 1800s. There was this idea that the, the, the tribes of Israel were lost. And if you could find those tribes. Now listen to me. Not that, is this okay? Can you handle this? That the lost tribes of Israel. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard that the Mormons' faith is built on the, the belief that the, they found the lost tribes of Israel? Does anybody know who the Mormons claim they were? Does anybody know? Don't, don't say it out loud because I want to say it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, does anybody think you know? Nobody knows this. You know there's over 11 million Mormons in the world. I mean, I would have thought you'd have talked to a Mormon, at least one Mormon and they would have got you up to up to speed on this does anybody do you do anybody over here know who these lost tribes who they claim the book of if you read the book of mormon let me tell you warn you ahead of time it's very boring but if you read the book of mormon it's clear as a bell the lost tribes of israel got in a boat 
like Noah. This is in the first chapters of the Book of Mormon. They sailed around the continents and they landed right here. They're called the American Indians. The South and North American Indians were the lost tribes of Israel. And every time I talk to a Mormon, I say, well, the problem with that is they weren't lost. They're not lost. <laughs> Ask any Jew anywhere. They're not lost. <laughs> they never were lost. The idea they were lost is interesting, and Joseph Smith thought it was amazing, but of course it wasn't true. But imagine being a Jewish individual, a, a man of God like Isaiah, and watching one, uh, 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 ten tribes of your people destroyed and obliterated and wondering, oh Lord, what is about to happen? You know what we need to do as a church? We need to have a spirit that says, I'm going to keep my eyes on heaven. I'm going to keep my heart on heaven. I'm not going to let what happens out there keep me from being what God wants me to be. And Isaiah said, it may have happened to them, but it's not going to happen to me. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So to me, Isaiah represents a someone. He he represents a, not only a he he <laughs> a Hebrew, but a, <laughs> a hero. But he represents a survivor. He was a survivor. So as a young man, you want to know what made him the great prophet? He was. He watched those people backslide and tell their kids, "It's okay. God is who God is. Nothing." We can worship this golden calf. Who cares what they say down there? Jerusalem is nothing. And that's exactly the generation we're living in. They don't respect the church. We're, we're having to worry uh, these days. Uh, and, and I'm only saying it because it's true. Just listen to me. Listen to what I'm trying to say. I'm the spirit of what I'm trying to say it in. Where we have to worry this week about having meeting with the police department to keep our churches safe in the county. Because someone might come in at any time. So we never know any given Sunday where in America some weirdo, some wacko is going to do something. Because there's no more respect. There's no sense of which we revere and honor and say the house of God is important. Child of God, never let yourself get to a place that the house of God means nothing to you. It should be the most important thing in your world. The house of God. Praise God. He saw all of that. And he said, not me. I'm serving God. Now, there are liberals. Everyone say amen. Is everybody good? Is everybody good? All right. So there are liberals that say that liberals have taken the Bible. They basically, if you, had a, if you had a liberal, let me show you the size of a liberal Bible. Hold on. I'm looking for a liberal Bible. Uh, I've got one here. Hold on. I want to show you the size. When they get done cutting it, oh, I've got one. Uh, when, uh, let's see. Brother French, do you have a, a liberal Bible uh, with you? Do you have your Bible? Let me see. I don't mean that. That's a real Bible. I mean, do you have one with you, a liberal Bible? Yeah. yeah. What? Hallelujah. Okay, it's not in there. Let me see. There it is. There it is. No, 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 that's too big. I knew somebody. There you, thank you, Sister French. She always keeps a liberal Bible around. This is about the size of a liberal Bible. 
That's what you'd have left. For example, the liberals, when they get done with Isaiah, they say Isaiah didn't write it. He didn't write the first part. He didn't write the last part. And then some will say, well, he wrote the first 39, maybe. Of course, he must have been quite old and had no teeth. But, uh, but then when he got done, you know, those last chapters, that was written by, we don't have any idea who wrote those, those parts. But let me tell you, none of that's true. Let me tell you how I know that he wrote the last chapters. Now, let me give you three scriptures. Everybody say, praise the Lord. All right, look here. Uh, look here. All right, so here's how I know. All right, so Matthew told us in, that he wrote chapter 40, verse 3. He says, there comes one crying in the wilderness. Well, the liberals say he didn't write the, after chapter 39. That was written by uh, Uncle Fred's uh, ex-wife's husband. We don't know who wrote that. Or what their name was. Well, uh, that not so. Matthew, unless you don't believe Matthew, says he wrote verse 3 of chapter 40. And John said he wrote chapter 1 of verse 53. Who hath believed our report? That's chapter 53, verse 1. Said that Isaiah wrote it. He said Isaiah wrote it. I want to tell you what I believe. I believe the word of God above some intelligent somebody that says otherwise. And then uh, Romans, Paul said in chapter 10 that he, uh, that it was Isaiah that wrote Isaiah 65 and 1. I was found of them. I was found of them that sought me not. Talking about the Gentiles coming to God. Anybody glad you're a Gentile that was able to make your way into heaven? Well, that was Isaiah 65. Well, they think that grandma's uh, great nephew's brother uh, heard of somebody that might have wrote that. That's because they don't have respect for the word of God any more than they have respect for the house of God. But how many knows we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart and, and serve the Lord. Come on, clap your hands a little bit and say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I believe you and I believe the word of God. Now, I know Hebrew. I teach Hebrew. I know Jewish scholars that don't believe in the Bible. I know Jewish scholars that do. I know Christians that are uh, very intelligent. They've got PhDs running out their, their earlobes, and, and they do not love God. And I know men that do love God. I am telling you, it matters not what men say. It matters what God says. God said he wrote it, and he did write it. Praise God. Now, number three, Isaiah was married and had sons that served God. It would say, praise the Lord, which is another great, uh, a great thing to know. How many knows that we can have our children serving God? I want us to pray for our children right now. Let's ask God to save our children. Father, I pray that every child, every, every young person, Lord, in our families, I pray for sons and daughters. And I ask you for your will and help and strength, Lord, to encourage and lift them up, Lord, that they will serve God all the days of their lives. We thank you for it. And thank you for Isaiah who instilled it in them. He actually, I'm not going to go into it because I'm trying not to say it, but he, he named his children. We, we, you have to get that from another Bible lesson. We're not going to be able, He named his children names that were outstanding names because he wanted to honor God. That's how much he loved God. Number four, he was well-educated and admired even by many of Judah's royalty. Yet Isaiah prophesied faithfully for 50 years. So I believe, it's my belief, all right? Everyone say amen. It's my belief. It's my, it's my, um, it's my uh, opinion. It's my conclusion from the evidence. And there's tons of differing opinions, but they can't all be right. That Isaiah was 96 years old when he died. That's, that's 
That's a full life. So if so, that means, and, and we can't be precise. I'm not trying to be super precise. He might not have been exactly 96, may have been younger. I, the point is, he was elderly. There's no question in my mind he was elderly. And uh, there's nowhere you can go and find it. Say, oh, there's this graveside. You can't find that. And yet all those years after seeing all that happened in the north, he said, I have made up my mind. Anybody got a made up mind here tonight? I've made up my mind. I'm not going to do what they did. I'm not going to walk the way they walk. I'm not going to take lightly the things of God. Number five, in 689 B.C., he was executed. Now, the date is questionable, but probably right. I'm, I'm probably not wrong about it. Is everybody okay with this? There's probably no, I'm probably correct that it's 689. Very like, the odds are very good that that is the date that he was executed. But it makes no difference. Other than in the timeline and the history, it's, it's good to think, okay, that looks like it's pretty much the date right there. But what's amazing is that it was a king of Judah, the reigning king of Judah, Manasseh. That said, now I want, to, I want to tell you how evil he was. He thought, okay, here's this man's 96 years old. Live for God. Serve God. Warning us that same thing happened to Israel is going to happen to Judah. I want him dead. Well, how do you want him dead? I want you to think of, okay, are, okay we do have, oh, okay. <laughs> we're thinking all the kids wrote chairs. Okay, well, we won't be going into that, but... Um, Praise God. Sister Sheila, um, we're going to move beyond this here now. But they, uh, they executed him. Can you read that? Can anybody see how they executed Isaiah? No question about it because Hebrews 11 tells us uh, that this is exactly what happened. But the, the history books are filled with it, that they executed him in this horrific fashion. And uh, I want to tell you something. I'm not rejoicing. I'm not, I'm not trying to over-dramatize it. I'm trying to tell you that Isaiah served faithfully his entire life. And in the end, he was martyred, a horrific, uh, ignoble, uh, hor horrendous, and, and, and humiliating death. But yet he never once said, I, I, I regret what I've done. No, he knew that his Messiah was coming. And he knew that he was going to see his Lord. And Father, and in heaven, you know my heart. I want to see you face to face. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? I want to see the Lord face to face. And so he gave his life as a, as a martyr. All right, now, well, let's go to the next slide. No, oh, don't go, go yet. Oh, don't go yet. Okay, you're almost ready. <laughs> okay, because some folks will faint. All right, are, do we have several brethren around all through here? Because when you do, when they pass out, I want you to be able to help them. If they fall into the aisle, I want you to, you know, help them make sure that they resuscitate and that they're okay. All right, are we good? Okay, go to the next one, and then we'll be ready for them. All right, now. What this does is it shows the 12, it shows the timeline here of the, of the timing. For example, I put my dates here. So I had to add that in because this, this particular chart doesn't have it. They, they had some reason they didn't know that Isaiah was probably born about 775. But I, I, I'm going to write them and help them out. And then uh, we find that, of course, this is all what I was just talking about. And then he's, I think this is right about the time he started preaching. 
in the time of this wicked Ahaz. None of these guys. You want to know the problem? You, do you want to know why Judah was destroyed by Babylon in 606, which is, where is that? Let's see. Let's, let's keep pointing. Right about here. Okay, so there's Jehoiakim, and there's uh, Zedekiah, and there's Habakkuk. So these, here they are. There's Jeremiah. Here we are. All right. So they're taken into captivity, right? It's supposed to be. <laughs> that doesn't look right. I don't know why they use that little thing. But 70 years of captivity by the Babylonians. You know why? Because they refused to take out the idolatrous high places. They were compromising with sinful religion. Folks, do you understand that you've got to love everybody no matter what their religion? You should love them. I don't care what their religion is. You should love them. Someone said, well, there's, I don't like that religion. But that doesn't matter what you think about their religion. They're a child of God made in the image of God. You need to tell them the gospel and love them. But you should not be compromising with their religion and building their and having their little idols. You, you know what? You need, if you've got anything in your heart and your life that's idolatrous, you need to get rid of it. Some people are worshiping the idol of Hollywood, and others are worshiping the idols of music, and some the idols of sports. Yes, you are actually got yourself so involved in the world that it's become a god to you. You need to get rid of that. You need to say, no, 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 that's not going to take over in my life. If Hollywood's got such a grip on you that you would... Uh, let it convince you to be immoral and to have an immoral life and all the rest of it or dress ungodly, then it's, that's a God. That became your God. And so Babylon was destroyed because the only king that tried to get rid of the, uh, the idolatrous high places was Josiah himself. He was just a boy when he came to the throne. And of course he died a terrible death, but he attempted to bring uh, Judah back, but they, I'm telling you, when you walk away, the thing to do is to say, I may be going through a battle, but I'm not giving up my faith. The devil is a liar. I'm going to trust God every step of the way. I'm going to walk with God. I'm not letting the devil stop me. Praise God. Could you put your hands together and tell the Lord you mean it? Father, I'm not letting anything stop me. I'm going forward in Jesus' name. Okay, we have to be careful here. The next one, brother, we lost five or six, so we don't want to lose many more. All right? Now, let me explain the next one so you don't pass out. All right, the next one is just giving all the chapters in a summary. That's all that is. It's, you don't need your blood pressure to go up. It's just giving you a summary. Oh, it's there. Oh, oh, no, I didn't see anybody passing out. I didn't realize it was up there. See that? Chapter 1. My finger's not as effective. Hold on. See chapter 1 through 40. All right? This line's in the wrong place because 40 is that way. So the line was supposed to be there. But uh, 39, the last uh, verse. So it ends with the story of Hezekiah, and, and then it talks about them, the, all these chapters, is they, they wouldn't heed the call of God. America, uh, now I don't mean by that that there isn't revival in America. How many knows there is revival in America? I feel revival right now. Let's lift our hands and thank God. Lord, I thank you because there are many, many, many millions of people that are reaching for heaven and serving you and love you. But Lord, America is in deep trouble. America needs to repent and turn to God. And I pray that 
America will turn its heart back to heaven. And then, of course, uh, at the end, the very last chapter is up to chapter 66. It's all about the redemption, which we've already talked about. But the main thing that I want to look at is this. So Isaiah pleaded for Israel to turn back to righteousness. But, of course, see, then you have all these uh, uh, TV experts that say, oh, doesn't the Lord doesn't care. It's just wonderful. See, they mock God. So you've got leading uh, number one shows led by people whose life is immoral, terribly immoral, and they mock God. And, and they were destroyed. Assyria was destroyed. Then Sennacherib appeared at the gates of Jerusalem. Does everyone know this? So before he left, he didn't just, he didn't just destroy the northern tribes. He came to the very gates of Jerusalem and was contemplating destroying Jerusalem. And the Lord had mercy upon them and turned him away. And he, and he said, well, I will, I'll take tribute. And so they stripped everything and took the gold and all the rest of it and confiscated everything and walked away. And yet, even knowing that they were that close to annihilation, and a hundred years later, knowing that God was calling them to repentance, they did not return to righteousness. Now, so let's go on. I'm going to try to hurry. Here we go. A couple more things before we're done. All right. I'd like you to turn to Romans 10. Here we go. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 10. Now, Isaiah 65, which we just referred to, was fulfilled in the church. So he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah in the church. When Israel rejected God and was abolished and destroyed and the temple was destroyed. Now we know that Israel's back in the land and the Bible said, I'm going to bring them back into the land. They're going to build their nation. All that's already happened. He turned from rejecting Israel to the church. Hallelujah. People that were just uh, uh, nobodies. Nobody knew who they were. Many were saved right out of drugs and saved out of all kinds of horrible situations. And God has saved them. Anybody thankful that you were saved out of a dark place, that he lifted you up? Hallelujah. Now, I want to look at this here in Isaiah 10. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found of them that sought me not. In other words, people that didn't even ask to be saved. I was found of them. Uh, they didn't seek me, but I sought them. Anybody thankful for what the Lord did on your behalf? <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to tell you what's happening right now up and down this highway. They're getting ready to do all this work out here on the road. The Lord is talking to people. The Lord is dealing with people. You know why I know that? Because he loved them. He sought them when they weren't even worthy. Hallelujah. That's why we call it amazing grace. I was, made, I was made manifest to them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So Israel is in judgment and, and brought down by the Babylonians and their temple destroyed and scattered for, for thousands, well, many, many hundreds of years, and now they're back in the land. All right, let's go to the next one. Now, go to chapter 11. Turn over. Come on. We're almost there. We're not going to be much longer. Romans 11, all right? These are all quotations of, of Isaiah, all right? So here's Romans 11, 25. We're going to read a couple verses here. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should 
be wise in your own conceits. How many have ever heard that expression before? Wise in your, everybody say that. Wise in your own conceits, all right? It's, it's very difficult to translate uh, in the Greek, but I'm, I'm suggesting that it basically means the same thing is that you would be spiritually arrogant, not ignorant, but arrogant, spiritually arrogant. So you, you would think that somehow you're better than Israel. Or you think you're better than the last person who uh, thought they could get away with sin. You'd be ignorant of the mystery lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness is in part. That's supposed to be in. Sorry. Blindness in part is happened to Israel. Everyone say blindness in part. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until when the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall what? Be saved. Israel is going to be brought back. God has a plan for Israel. And we, we shouldn't think that if God would allow his own people to be destroyed by the enemy because they turned their backs upon righteousness, that we can turn our backs on righteousness. How many knows we need to remember Lot's wife? We need to remember Noah. We need to remember that God is in charge of it all. And he's got his own time frame. I'm just telling you right now, the time, the time's at hand. We are very near when the Lord is going to say, all right, I'm taking my church out of this world. I'm getting ready to leave this world. He's going to take his church out of this world. Now, here we go. Let's go to uh, a couple more scriptures. Uh, uh, Romans 11:17. Now, the question is, will the end time church take heed and or will it turn away? Israel would not heed, and God said, all right, then now is the time. And it was the time. Now, let's look at Romans uh, eleven seventeen. And, and now, so notice I'm jumping around, all right? Right here is the place where I'm jumping around, all right? 18, 20, that's where I'm going. And these little uh, ellipses tell you that I did it. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, olive tree was a symbol of Israel. And that they were grafted in among them and the, and, uh, and, the, and the partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree boast not, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, that is Israel, take heed lest he spare not thee. Goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. If God would allow his own people, Israel, to suffer defeat because they turned their back on him. Don't think for one minute that he is going to allow the if God would judge the world in Noah's day, then he how many knows that God never changes. Everybody know God doesn't change. He's the same. He's the same. Now, let's look at Hebrew six. All right. Hold on just one second. I want to see if we're. Okay, that, this, we're almost there. Here we go. For it is impossible, I'm going to say impossible, for those who were once enlightened. So if you turn your back on the light and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to, I'm going to suggest that's probably meaning that you have tasted of salvation, the gift of salvation, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you've tasted the word of God 
and the powers of the world to come. In other words, heaven's power is actually activated in us right now. Is anybody feeling faith in your heart tonight? Faith, God's power from heaven is operating in us. That's what's happening. And I don't know, maybe the Lord will do this or maybe he won't. I'm not serving God because he does something for me. I'm serving God because he's God. But the power of heaven, it begins to operate inside of us. What, I was, who was it? I was trying to think of the person that was telling me. They, oh, they're so, I, I can't think of it exactly. But uh, they, they were attacked and, and the person went to, I, I can't get the story right. Sister French, are you remembering this story? And they, uh, they attacked the woman and she prayed in Jesus' name. And the guy dropped dead right there. Anybody remember hearing that story before? A woman that had no way to protect her. So when someone said, well, I know someone that, that uh, thieves broke in and, and, they, and they were hurt and God didn't protect them and so on. As though God has to, uh, you know, God's like right there is our public safety operator. And we're never going to have a problem. Never have a cold and never have a bill to pay. Folks, I'm not serving God because he pays my bills. I'm serving God if he never pays a bill again. I'm serving God because he's God. He's mighty. Heaven is here. Heaven comes down just when I need it. Just when I need him most. Hallelujah. Praise God. You've tasted of the word and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, it's impossible to renew them again into repentance. Now, I've taught often on this. I won't come back to it, but. So if it scares you, I'm going to leave it like that. I know exactly what it means, but I'm just telling you the idea that you can just throw it away, heaven's power and all of it, and say, I want to do this and I want to do that. And who cares about the rest? Doesn't work like that. Seeing they crucified to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. All right, our last verse. Let's stand. We're done. Now, we're, we're going to uh, pick it up in Chapter 7 when we come back and, uh, in the weeks ahead, and we'll, we'll try to cover maybe 15 or 20. We haven't really done a lot of uh, Isaiah verses here. Isaiah 6 and 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Everyone say, Praise the Lord. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. So this was like a vision. I'm telling you how I see this. It was like a vision. And I, this is, how many can see that picture? That's supposedly Isaiah. It's just a painting. And uh, how many can see that floating around in there? Like a, kind of like, well, like smoke. I'm assuming that's the smoke. And so, and there's the altar behind him. And he, and he sees it, but he's looking up. What, when he sees the train, the, or the, the, ro- the end of his robe, uh, flowing, the Bible says, uh, and uh, sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his train, what? Filled the temple. He had a power encounter with God that changed his life forever. And he saw God's robe, which symbolizes the divine presence of the Lord, filling the sanctuary. And the Bible says in verse 4 that the smoke began to fill. A smoke began to fill. Nothing was burning, but a smoke began to fill. It was like a visible manifestation of the presence of God and the robe. How many knows if you can just touch the hem of his garment, you can have the greatest miracle you ever dreamed of? Because that's the kind of God that we're serving. 
And that is how, what changed Isaiah's life. I want, and I want to pray for you right now. Let's bow our heads and let's lift our hearts right now. Father, I thank you tonight because Isaiah is a great example for us. He never walked away. He never gave up on righteous things. He moved forward even when the world was getting very, very troublesome. And Father, he found a place in the house of God where he saw your glory and he got a hold of it. And the angel came, the seraphim touched his lips with the coal from the altar. Lord, that's what we want right now. We need you to touch our hearts, oh God, with the fire from heaven's altar. Come on, lift your hands and let's ask the Lord. Father, I pray for neighbors and loved ones, people driving up and down the street. I pray for the discouraged and I pray for every heart, Lord, that you will lift them into your presence. Let them know that they must have a dynamic and real experience what somebody else has is not enough they've got to have it for themselves lord i thank you for it and i pray tonight that we'll see in isaiah lord a tremendous man of god a man of faith that can help us lord with the truths of god to shape our faith and our doctrine and we thank you for it put your hands together let's thank the lord for his word tonight praise god Hallelujah. Isaiah cried, here am I, send me. Praise God. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I give all myself to you. Here I am. Help me sing it. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, let your spirit flow through me, here I am. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you tonight. Keep each one. Lord, this new year, I pray for uh, Satan to be bound and the enemy to be held back and for righteousness to prevail and hope and faith and joy to come into our lives. Meet every need and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Okay, thank you. God bless you tonight. We love you. Shake hands. We've got visitors. And uh, greet them and greet one another. In Jesus' name.